Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Gwinnett Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Gwinnett Church app where you can have access to all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around here at Gwinnett Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. Most importantly, however, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. When is the last time that you uh, put together a puzzle? Anybody? Anybody? Can, th- can you think? Yeah, look at a puzzle person. Nice. Uh, I'm in a season of life where, um, where puzzles are all over our house. Um, but I was thinking about this. Uh, this week we got some puzzles out for my two-year-old, and they're like the hand-me-down puzzles. And, uh, and so we got the, the, the older sister's puzzles that have made their way down, and we were putting together a puzzle, and uh, my, my two-year-old got down to the end and uh, realized that there was a piece missing, and he was infuriated. Do you know the feeling? Like, maybe for you, you've done this, uh, may, may, you know, it, it feels like every time you go to an Airbnb or something like that, or a, a rental house, whether it's at the beach or in the mountains, there's always a cabinet. You guys know where I'm talking about? There's a cabinet or a shelf that has uh, DVDs, which are these things that they used to put movies on, and, um, and so th- there's DVDs, right? And then there's, uh, and then there's some board games and then there's puzzles and they're all on the shelf. They live there. They're like for your entertainment, sign our guest book. And, uh, and so that's, that's there. And then, uh, inevitably, like if you find yourself there for, you know, an extended period, like maybe, maybe you're at the beach for a week and then there's always that day where it rains all day and you're like, we need something to do. And then, you know, your kids are going like, we're going to watch TV. And you're like, no, you're not. You're going to do something else. And so, uh, and so you get out the puzzle puzzles or the board games. They're like, what's Yahtzee? You're like, all right, never mind. And so you get the, you get the puzzle out and you're like, we're going to do this puzzle together. It'll be fun family thing, right? And you're putting it all together. And, 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 you're, and as you're putting it together, you're getting down to the end and the picture's coming into view and you can see it coming together, but you're realizing that there are more open spaces than there are pieces. And you're like, this is really annoying, right? Like, like, and, and it's, it's maddening because you know you're only going to get an incomplete picture because you've got a piece or some pieces missing, or, or maybe for you, it's not puzzles. Maybe for you, it was just putting together some Ikea furniture. Mm-hmm. There we go. Some commiserators, right? You get down to the end and you're like, there's supposed to be eight of these and there's only seven, you know, I don't make you want to cuss, right? So I know I don't though. I'm, I'm a Christian. And so, uh, I make up ones, sugar plum fairy, you know, like, so, uh, yeah, little ears, right? So, and so, so you, you know that frustration, right? When something's missing, when you're, you've got almost, it's almost come together, right? The thing that you were building, the, the picture that you were trying to get to come together, right? My son, I remember he was so annoyed. Dad, where's the piece? We're like shaking all the boxes. We're looking around. I don't know how long that piece has been gone, right? But, but you know the frustration, that feeling when there's like, you've almost got the complete picture, but then there's just that one piece missing. There's something missing that's keeping it from coming together. The reason why I mentioned that today is, is that's what we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the missing piece in our purpose. The missing piece in many of us in our purpose. And, and so before we get there though, what we're gonna do is, uh, let me just recap where we've been so far and then, and then we'll jump into talking about this missing piece. So uh, we've been in a series called uh, Made for This. And for the last couple of weeks, we've, we've been talking about one of life's big questions, which is like, why am I here? 
right? Why am I here? Uh, what was I made for? Is there a purpose to my life? Is there a plan? If so, how do I know what it is? Am I on the right track? Am I moving in the right direction? Like, like what, what am I here for? And so we've been asking this question. We've been digging into this topic of purpose and to guide our conversation. What we've done is we've, we've just kind of hung out in this letter that the apostle Paul wrote, uh, the apostle Paul being one of the most influential Christian thinkers, missionaries uh, that history has ever known. And, and, and to a church, uh, he wrote this letter called Colossians. And so we've been hanging out in this letter of Colossians. And the reason why we've been hanging out there is because in Colossians, Paul, uh, while he's talking about Christian growth and maturity and what life with Jesus looks like. Um, while he's talking about that, he speaks to the subject of purpose. And in this letter, right, he says that, yes, you do have a purpose, that your life has meaning and purpose, that God, yes, God, he created you and he has a will for your life, right? And we said that right from the beginning, he said, and, and Paul's prayer for the, this church and for us was that we would know God's will and be able to walk in it so that we can do and become all that God created us to do and become. And then Paul points us in our search for purpose. He points us not to a what, but rather to a who. And he says that, hey, if you wanna know what you were made for, then first you need to know who you were made by. And so he points us in Colossians 1 and he says, hey, you were made by and for Jesus. This is the primary purpose of your life is a relationship with the one who made you. You were made by and for Jesus, which is really, really good news because it means that we're not some cosmic accident, that you are not here by chance. It means that every single person, right? If we are made, according to what Paul says, if we're made by and for Jesus, that means every single person was made on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. It means there are no meaningless, there are no worthless, there are no accidental people. And so the apostle Paul says, hey, you're, you're here for a reason, absolutely. And the reason though is, is, is more a who than a what. You're here to know the one that made you. And when you are walking in relationship with the one who made you, he says, then you begin to discover, you learn to discern, you grow to know what it is that he put you on this earth to do. But it starts with knowing the one who put you here, right? So he says, starts there. That's what you were made for, for a relationship with your creator. His name is Jesus. That's the beginning of purpose, the primary purpose for your life. And then last week we talked about, okay, so now what am I supposed to do? Right, like what, what, what specifically, is there a plan, like a specific plan that God has for me? If, if I'm walking in relationship with him, then is there something specific that he wants me to do? Is there someone that I'm supposed to be with? Is there somewhere that I'm supposed to end up, right? Like, is there a, is there a specific picture that God has in the framework of my life? Like, is there a specific picture that he's got in mind for me? And we said that when it comes to this, right, that when it comes to God's will for our lives, what we learned is that it's, in fact, it's whatever, right? That it's whatever, that when we're walking in relationship with the one who made us, right, then whatever it is that we choose to do and whatever it is that we find ourselves doing, right, God says, okay, do that, right? Like find what you're passionate about, find what God wired you for and go and do it. You can go do that. And there's any number of things. So there's not one specific picture that God has for you. There's any number of pictures that you could step into and you could put into the frame of why you're here, right? We said that God says, my will for you is whatever. So you get to choose when it comes to what you do, you choose, but there is a way that I want you to do it. There's a how I want you to operate in whatever it is 
that you do. And so Paul says, hey, what you do is up to you, but how you do it is up to God. And so the the way that God wants us to do it is he says, whatever it is you find yourself doing, he says, I want you to do it in the name of Jesus. We said that that means more than just putting like Christian fishes and like crosses and Bible verses on things, right? Like that that's not what he means when he says, do it in the name of Jesus, right? He said that we learned in Colossians chapter three that to do something in the name of Jesus means to do it with the character of Jesus, to put on his characteristics and do our work with his character. It means to do something with quality as if we were working for Jesus. So to be excellent in what we do, that's to do something in the name of Jesus and to do it with gratitude in our hearts towards Jesus because we recognize him as the provider of purpose and meaning in the work that we find ourselves doing. And so we do it with, with character, with excellence, with gratitude. And that's what it looks like to do something in the name of Jesus. And so we've talked about who we're here for. We've talked about how we're called to operate in this life. And today we're gonna wrap up our series talking about this last piece of purpose. And so what we're gonna do is we'll, we'll stay in Colossians. We're gonna be in Colossians chapter four. <clears throat> I've got it in my Bible and on the iPad, but this is just in case the iPad doesn't work. I've got paper and um, here we go. So Colossians chapter four, Paul's wrapping up his his letter. He's wrapping up his, his thoughts and ideas that he's been writing to these, these Colossians. And, and this is what he says as he's concluding. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. He says, pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So he starts off, he's concluding remarks. And he says, all right, hey, as I'm wrapping things up, we've been talking about growth, maturity. We've been talking about your purpose. And he says, so here's what I want you to do. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. So he's saying, hey, you're made for a relationship with the one who made you. And one of the ways that you stay close and connected to God is through this thing called prayer, right? This is how you stay close and connected to God. This is how you communicate most with God is through this avenue that he's given us called prayer. And so he says, hey, I want you to be committed to it. I want you to commit yourself to praying. And prayer is where you bring your needs and and your desires and your cares and your concerns to God. And then he downloads to you his perspective and his peace and his provision. And and it's this dialogue, right? There's so much we could say about prayer. I could do a whole series on prayer. I'm not gonna do that right now, but I might one day. Uh, You don't know. And so, um, so but he says, Suffice it to say, he goes, hey, commit yourself. Like be committed to prayer. Make prayer something that is your first priority and not your last resort. He says, hey, like like commit to being consistent in your prayer life and don't just run to God when things get chaotic. So he goes, hey, make that a part of your life. And, And so he's saying, hey, stay close and connected to God through prayer. And then he says, being watchful and thankful. And then he says, and while you're at it, he says, pray for us. He says, pray for us, us being him and his protege, Timothy, who they're in, they're in jail together. And, uh, and so Paul says, hey, I want you to be committed to prayer. And while you're praying, he says, would you do me a favor and pray for us too while we're in this jail cell? And, um, and what Paul asks them to pray for though is incredible because I don't know about you, if I were in jail 
for telling people about Jesus. So I hadn't really done anything wrong. I hadn't like, you know, committed any crimes, but I was put in jail for sharing my faith. I had been beaten, imprisoned, and then now I was about to stand trial by which at the end of this trial, I could be executed. I know what I would be asking people to pray for, to get out, right? Like, isn't that what you would be praying for? All the honest people? Um, I would be praying, I want to get out of this. So as you pray for me, hey, you better be devoted to prayer. And while you're praying, please pray that, I, that God would get me out of this, right? That's, that's what I would be praying. I, I, would be, I would be writing to them. I'd be writing to all of you. I'd be sending the email chain that's like forward this to the next 10 people or you're going to hell. You know what I mean? Like that thing, like I'd be sending that email chain out. I'd be like, yo, like somebody like, like, hey, pass this on, pray for me. Pray that I would get out of this. Pray that God would get me out of this. Pray that God would give me favor with the judge. Pray that God would give me favor with the guards. Pray that God would send an angel and open up the doors to the prison and let me out. Like, like pray that God would get me out of this. That's what I'd be praying. That's not what Paul prays. It's very interesting. It's, it's actually, it's, it's powerful and it's convicting, especially for any of us that find ourselves in situations that we don't wanna be in and we wish that God would get us out of. Paul's prayer right here is like, it's challenging because it's not bad to pray, God, get me out. Some of you are in some tough spots. So it's not bad to pray, God, get me out. But, but Paul has a different perspective. He says, he says, and pray for us. He says that, that God may open a door, but not to the jail cell. He says, pray for us that God would open a door, but not to the jail cell. He says that God would open a door for our message. He says, while you're praying for us, he's like, pray that God opens a door for our message so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. And pray, he says, that I can proclaim it clearly as I should. He says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to commit to praying. You know, I'm closing out my letter. I want you to commit to praying, but and I want you to pray for us. He goes, but I'm not praying, God, get me out. I'm praying, God, use me in. And that's a powerful perspective that Paul shares. And this prayer request, you guys, this prayer request of not God, get me out of this, but God, use me in this. This prayer request reveals a perspective that Paul has on his purpose. And the perspective that Paul has about his purpose is that the purpose of his life is bigger than his life. So Paul's perspective, right, that he's revealing right here in his prayer request when he says, hey, I'm not asking that God would get me out of this. I'm asking that God would use me in this. What he's revealing to us is his perspective on purpose and that the purpose of his life is actually bigger than his life. He says, hey, you know what? I just want God to use me in this because there's some people around me that need something that I've got. And so would you guys pray for me? And when you pray for me, would you pray that God uses me in the middle of this? Because the purpose of my life, is not just my life. It's bigger than me. My purpose is bigger than me. And the reality is your purpose is bigger than you. You see, the reality, you guys, is that the purpose of your life, it's actually bigger than your life. 
And this is one of the missing pieces in so many of our lives and our purpose and in our faith that we, that we miss. This is one of those things that's missing that makes us feel like, ah, the picture's almost together, but it's not quite there. It's the realization that this right here is true, that the purpose of your life, it's bigger than your life. That life is about more than just your success and your security and your satisfaction but it's actually about loving and serving and helping the people that are around you. The purpose of your life is bigger than your life. And as long as life is all about you, you will miss what life is all about. Can I just say that again? Listen, as long as life is all about you, you are going to be missing what life is all about. There will always be a piece missing in the puzzle of your purpose. The picture will always be incomplete. The furniture will always be a little because you duct taped it together. You missed that last screw, right? You, there will always be something missing. If life is all about you, you will miss what life is all about. And this is what the apostle Paul is cluing us into. This is what, this is, what is missing in so many of our lives and so many of our purposes and the picture that we have is that, is that it stopped with us. And we haven't been mindful of those around us. And look, you don't have to be a Jesus person to realize that this is true and to experience this. You don't have to be a, a Jesus follower to understand and to come to the realization that the purpose of your life is bigger than your life and that life, it matters more and it begins to mean more when you give yours away. But now if you are a Jesus person, if you're a Jesus person, Paul goes, this is it. This is what life is about. It's knowing God, yes, and making him known. It's knowing God, yes, but it's also making him known. It's more than being just mindful of those around you, Paul will say. You've actually got a message that's meant to flow through you to other people. Paul calls it, if you go back to the text, Paul calls it the mystery of Christ. When you read that, sometimes you're like, the mystery? I wish he would unpack that a little bit. What's the mystery, you know? But the mystery of Christ is, is not a mystery for us. It's the gospel. It was a mystery to them because they hadn't heard it yet, but it's not a mystery for us. It's the gospel. It's the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his son so that sin could fully and finally be forgiven and that anyone that puts their trust in him can have life with him, relationship with him, and can figure out what life's all about. They can walk with him and they can experience purpose and meaning. That's the mystery of Christ. And Paul goes, that's the message that I've got. I, it's not enough that I've got it for myself. It's gotta flow through me to someone else around me. He's like, that, that's my purpose. It's bigger than me. Your purpose is bigger than you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, right, then your purpose is that that message would not just come to you, but that it would flow through you because there's someone around you that needs to hear that. That they're loved, forgiven, accepted by the God who made them and that they can experience purpose with him. That's a message that someone in your life needs to hear. And so Paul says, so Paul says, pray, pray for me that I get this right, that I proclaim it as I should, because that's my purpose. He's like, to know God and to make God known. So he says, pray for me, but don't just pray for me that I get the message out. He's like, participate in it yourself. 
This is what he's, he's about to turn the corner and he's gonna say, all right, pray for me, yes, that the message gets out, but don't just pray that I say the right things. Don't just pray that God works through me. See what God wants to do through you. And so he goes, he says this, he says, so, he goes, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. He says, make the most of every opportunity. And then he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So Paul says, hey, don't just pray for me. Don't just pray for me. This isn't just my purpose. This is your purpose too, right? The purpose of my life is bigger than my life, but the purpose of your life is bigger than your life. So don't just pray for me that the message goes through me. He says, participate in it yourself. He goes, you, you got a part to play. And what Paul's talking about right here in this passage is this, it's this church word called evangelism, right? Which when we talk about evangelism, everybody's like, oh no, right? He's gonna hand us pieces of paper and now we gotta go to all of our neighbors and we gotta put them in our Halloween candy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, and so... Paul, Paul's, if you do that, do you, boo-boo, I love it. So, but like, but this is, Paul's talking about evangelism and he's saying, hey, like you're only getting a part of the picture if you receive the message of Jesus and you walk with Jesus, but you don't tell others about Jesus. He's like, you're only getting a part of your purpose. If the message comes to you, but it doesn't flow through you, then your purpose is incomplete and you'll always feel like there's a piece of the puzzle missing. He's like, so I'm inviting you, pray for me, but also participate in this, in evangelism. I love the way he talks about evangelism because it's not weird, but sometimes it can seem weird, you know? Like we, we, we tend to think sometimes that evangelism has gotta be weird. Like, you know, you and you're hanging out with your friend and y'all are talking about the football game. You're like, oh man, Georgia killed Auburn. And you're like, yeah, speaking of killed, where would you go if you died? You know what I mean? Like, ah! like, yo, bro, I thought we were talking about football. I gotta talk about your eternity, bro. You know what I mean? Like, so we can make it like, we can make it feel weird, right? Like, or, or, or we tend to think that there's, it's gotta be door-to-door -door sales pitchy or it's gotta be, you know, it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be a bullhorn or, or, or picket signs involved when it comes to evangelism. And I love the way Paul talks about evangelism right here because it seems so natural. It feels so or, like normal. It feels so organic. Like the way he talks about evangelism, he's like, hey, pray for me like that I fulfill my purpose, which is to tell people about Jesus, but also you get in on this, right? Like, because I want God to work through me, but also I want you to see what God wants to do through you. And you're gonna experience more life and more meaning and more purpose if you're participating in this. And so he's like, I want you to evangelize, share your faith. I want the message to flow through you as well. And here's how it happens. And it's like so normal. He says, he says look, the way that evangelism works itself out. He says, first, just be wise in how you act towards outsiders. Meaning, he's like, be wise in how you act. So meaning like, like watch how you live when you're, when you're out and about. Watch how you live outside of Sunday, like Monday through Saturday, like, or when you go to lunch. Like he's like, watch how you live, how you act, how you treat people, how you react when things don't go your way in the office, right? We talk about this all the time. He's like, he's like how you live will probably speak louder than any sermon Reed ever preaches. And it'll reach some people that will never walk through these doors. So he's like, so be wise in how you act. 
Like actually like live your faith out. Think about how you're treating people. And he says, and make the most of every opportunity. And when he says that, he's still talking about how you act. And so he's like, when there's opportunities that arise for you to show love, for you to, for you to show support, for you to give encouragement, he's like, when those opportunities arise, he goes, make the most of them. Christians, when somebody's moving and they ask for help, you should be the first ones to sign up, right? And not for the free pizza. You're too old for that anyway, right? Like, and so, and so it's like, he's going, look, look for the opportunities around you to show people the love of Jesus through your life. He's like, be wise in how you live, make the most of the opportunities that present themselves. When there's an opportunity to be generous towards someone, when there's an opportunity to meet someone's need, when there's an opportunity to encourage someone, when there's an opportunity to invite someone, he's like, make the most of it. It's evangelism. He goes, so make the most of of every opportunity. And then he says, and then let your conversation, so your words, because at some point, you guys, when you're talking about sharing your faith, your actions, yes, they speak louder than words, but you still need words. I know somebody was like, oh no, I have to talk about God. Like, and it can be intimidating. I totally understand this. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I know I'm, I'm like professional Christian and I'm like a pastor at a church and I still get nervous. Can I just tell you guys this? I still get nervous when somebody at the ball field asks me what I do because I, I know it's about to get weird, you know? Like, well, what do you do? I'm a pastor. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry, father. You know, and you're like, no, no. Like, you don't have to, like, oh, I just said bad words around him. You know, like, and I said, I was gonna get weird, right? Like, and, and, and I still get nervous sometimes using my words to invite someone to come to church. Just the other day we were at the ball field and, 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 and we're, we're leaving. And I had been talking to one of the guys that his son plays soccer with my son and we're out there at the field and I was telling him about what I did and I was learning what he did and, and we're leaving. And my son had to, had to nudge me, y'all. My son goes, hey, we should invite my friend, uh, sorry, because we should invite them to church. And I was like, why didn't I think of that? And I was like, uh, cause it's weird and my palms are sweaty now, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, it's nerve wracking sometimes to do that. Uh, but I had to, I ran back over there and I invited him to come to Smorgonet. And, um, and he said he would love to come, so. <laughs> so, but I get it. It can be nerve wracking sometimes to use our words, right? But Paul says, hey, at some point when it comes to your faith, when it comes to sharing your faith, if you really wanna experience the fullness of the purpose that God has for you, if you really wanna see what God might wanna do through you, yes, your actions, first and foremost, check your actions. He says, but also you gotta use your words. And you might have to extend an invitation. You might have to have a conversation. He goes, so let your conversations be full of grace. Let them be full of grace. Not negative and judgmental, not pointing a finger. Let them be full of grace, seasoned with salt. The idea of being seasoned with salt is that your conversations would add value to those around you. Christians, when it comes to the conversations you have in the workplace, when it comes to conversations that you have with family members, you should be the most positive, encouraging, hope-filled, life-giving people in the office with your words, not negative, not always gossiping, not tearing others down, not always the sarcastic person, 
Because you should be, you should be full of grace with your words, blessing those around you and seasoning them with salt, adding value to your words so that in every situation, you would know how to answer everyone when they ask you what's different about you. What have you got? What is that about you? You'd be able to have an answer. Paul says that's, that's evangelism. It's not, it's not super weird. It doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't need to be intentional. It doesn't need to be intentional. So he says, think about how you live. Think about how you're act, acting. Make the most of the opportunities that present themselves. Let your conversations be full of grace and seasoned with salt. And then you'll be ready to have an answer. And you guys, when we do that, Paul says, then we begin to participate in this mystery of Christ that has come to us. It begins to flow through us. I'm just telling you, you have no idea the impact that it could make if you began to live this out in your life and in the lives of people around you. It wouldn't just make a difference in people around you though. I'm telling you, it would make a difference in your life if we began to live this thing out and you saw what God might do through you. It would make a huge difference. And I know that y'all because, um, because that's what's happened in my life. Somebody lived this stuff out towards me and it changed everything for me. So a lot of you have heard my story, but when I was a sophomore, I was going into my sophomore year of college. Uh, I got a summer job. Uh, with a guy that was doing landscaping. His name was Gus. His name wasn't Gus, it is Gus. He's still alive. Um, <laughs> he's a great person, he lives in Flowery Branch. So I speak of him sometimes and they're like, ah, oh, that Gus, he must've been a great man. I'm like, he's, he's a good dude, he's alive. Um, went and worked with this guy, Gus, and, um, and y'all, he did this right here. When it, when it came to, to how he lived towards me, he was wise. He lived the stuff that he believed. He put on the characteristics of Jesus. He was gracious, he was loving, he was kind, he was patient, he was humble. The way he lived around me, I was like, man, this guy's, there's something different about him. He made the most of every opportunity that presented itself. If I ever said I wasn't doing something on the weekend, there was an invitation coming. You know what I mean? Like Gus was one of those guys. Hey, what are you doing this weekend, man? If I said nothing, you wanna to come to church with me? And I was like, <laughs> no. Um, I said no probably a thousand times before I finally said yes. But he made the most of every opportunity. He was just one of those guys. And his conversations with me, he was encouraging. He was filled with love, with kindness. He showed me grace. He was one of the first people that I knew that would put their arm around me and go, it's okay. You can get up, you can bounce back from this. You're better than that. He showed me grace. He seasoned our conversations with salt. He added value to my life. Gus was one of those people that would ask me regularly if he could pray for me and then he'd follow up so I knew that he did. And he did that. And as he did, y'all, I got a glimpse of God in Gus. It changed everything for me. And... uh and when Gus said, read God loves you and you can have a relationship with him, I believed him because that's what Gus had shown me. And it changed my life. And you have no idea, y'all, 
the difference that it could make in the life of someone else. You've got to read more in your life right now that is looking at you to see what God is like. And you've got the opportunity to show them. And you have no idea the difference it would make on them and you have no idea the difference it would make in you. I'm telling you that because I know it too. Because a week after I put my trust in Jesus, I said, all right, I'm in. I'm gonna be a Christian. I'm gonna do this thing. Gus signed me up to serve. And I was like, what? Why did you do that? I said, I don't even know what is happening right now. And he was like, whoa, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. And I was like, dude, I know like one Bible verse into John 3, 16, you know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know. And he was like, read, first of all, best way to grow your faith is you start serving. He's like, it'll put your spiritual growth on steroids. You start, you start serving other people, it holds you accountable. He's like, you'll watch what you do on Saturday if you have to drive back here on Sunday. And you're like, yes, sir. You know, like, it was like, man, like, and so he's like, one, it's gonna, it's gonna help you grow. And then he said, and then he said two, and, and this is, I'll never forget this. He was just like, hey, it is the greatest thrill and joy in your life to watch God use your life to impact someone else's. He goes, it's the greatest thrill and joy. And he goes, and I want that for you. And you know, I just can't help, like as a 20 year old, all I could think was, man, I wish one day I could do that for somebody else. I still pray all the time that I could be that for somebody else because it's amazing. If you want, if you want real fulfillment, you wanna really feel purpose in your life, faithfully serve the people around you and point them to Jesus. I'm telling you, there's no greater thrill, there's no greater joy than watching someone else come to life in Christ and knowing that you had a part to play. It's the missing piece in so many of your purpose. It's the missing piece in so many of your faith experiences. I hear people all the time like, I'm bored with faith. We don't go deep enough. What, what, you know, what's, what's going on, like, uh, uh, what's next? And the reason why some of you are so bored in your faith is because you're not exercising it. The reason why some of you are so bored in your faith is because it lives here on Sunday and you're going, what's in it for me? And you will never unlock your full purpose or potential until you start asking God, not just what's in it for me, but who can I help? And you begin to pass it on. That's the missing piece in purpose. That's when the puzzle really becomes complete. When we follow Paul's example and we take him up on his challenge to say, I've got a message, the mystery of Christ, and it's not just something that God wants to speak to me, but it's something that he wants to flow through me into the, people, into the lives of the people that God's placed around me. You want real purpose? You wanna experience real fulfillment? Faithfully serve the people around you and point them to Jesus, and that, that will unlock the full purpose. Yes, God has put you on this earth to know him, but he's also put you on this earth to make him known. That's where you'll find the fullness of purpose. So in conclusion, what are we made for? What are we here for? According to the apostle Paul, we are here to know the one that made us and to be in a relationship with Jesus, to walk with him and thereby as we walk with him to become like him. We're here to discover our passions and to do good work and to do it in the name of Jesus to do it with his character, to do it with excellence, 
to do it with gratitude in our hearts so that God is glorified in whatever we do and the world is good for it. And we are here, we are here to make him known and to take this message that has come to us and to allow it to flow through us so that we might impact those that God has placed around us. That's what you were made for, to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to build with Jesus the kingdom here on the earth. So don't stop short. The purpose of your life is bigger than your life. Don't stop short, don't let it stop with you. Let it flow through you and see what God can do in the lives of those around you. There's no greater thrill, there's no greater joy. And I pray and I hope that you'll discover that. So this is the end of our series and um, I'm gonna pray for us. But before I, before I do that, we're gonna set up a song. We're gonna sing a song together to close out our time. And the song, y'all, the lyrics are beautiful. The lyrics of this song are laced with purpose. And they remind us that we were created both by and for Jesus. And we were created to partner with him in the work that he's doing in the world. And so you can, you can sit and you can listen to this song and you can stand and you can participate. The lyrics will be up there, but, but we're gonna sing this song. And it's my hope that as we sing this song, that it's the perfect close to this series and that it solidifies for many of you the purpose that God has on your life to know, to be like, and to share with others. So let me pray for us. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thanks that you made us on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. Thank you that there are no meaningless, worthless, or accidental people. Thank you that through Jesus, you've made it possible for us to have a relationship with you, to walk with you, and thereby discover what it is that you put us on earth to do. Thank you that you've shown us how we're to do whatever it is that we're called to do. Help us to do it with character and with quality, with gratitude in our hearts so we bring you glory. We do good. I pray that today you would help us though to remember in everything that we do that the purpose of our life is bigger than just our life. That you have called us to love and to serve those around us and to point them, yes, point them ultimately to you. So would you help us to be people of purpose, embracing what it is that you made us for and all that you've called us to do. And in doing that, would we experience life and would we bring the kingdom? It's in your name that we pray, amen.
You're the one. 